Good morning to each one of you. It's a pleasure to be here this morning. Uh, the title of the message this morning is, What Kind of a Steward Are You? If you turn in your Bibles to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, I'd like to be, read verse 19 and 20. A couple of questions before we read that. Uh, how many of you would say you're a steward here this morning? Just raise your hand high. Say you're a steward, okay. Uh, is it optional? Have you ever thought of that? Is it optional? Uh, do we face life with the mentality of a steward? Do we get up in the morning and ponder, uh, how am I going to serve my master today? Is that kind of how we face each new day? Uh, I was reading a book by Gary Miller here recently, uh, charting, charting a Course, maybe, the title of it. It's a book written for young people. Uh, what do we think of when we think of stewards? I mean, what's the first subject that comes to mind usually? Somebody. When we think of stewardship, we think of what? Money. Yeah. And, and that's what this book is about. It's about uh, young people starting at a young age and uh, seeing money as given by God and they are stewards of it. I would recommend the book to, to all of us, uh, especially young folks. But as I was reading uh, that book, I was, it was impressed on my mind that we are stewards of everything, not just money. Everything, all of life, we are stewards. And that's kind of the heart of the message this morning. Uh, for the children, just a little, little uh, story maybe to help you understand what a steward is. Uh, Edward, how old are you? 10? 12? Almost 12. Okay. Yeah, when I was about your age, uh, I had a neighbor. And most of my neighbors, number of farms there around our house, uh, they were 35ers. You don't know what a 35er is, do you, Edward? Yeah. Florence probably knows. Do you know what a 35er is? Okay. Florence knows what a 35er Anybody else know what a 35er is? Maybe, yeah, Ruth Ann would know. Okay. Uh, we won't go into that, all of that uh, for practical purposes. They're horse and buggy Mennonites. Uh, but there's some interesting factors about that. But, uh, or if you, you, can go, you can find them online, believe it or not. Uh, 35ers or Reidenbachers. Uh, but most of my neighbors were 35ers. And I had a neighbor named Florence. And she was a 35er. And uh, we would go there to get eggs. I was a little boy uh, about Edward's age. I would take a dollar bill and a basket down to Florence's house uh, to get eggs. And I can't remember. I'm thinking the eggs were 25 cents a dozen, maybe. I'm not sure. And uh, so I would get three dozen of eggs. And I'd give Florence the dollar bill. And she would give me 25 cents back. 
Edward, whose 25 cents was that? Mine? Okay, was it? My mama gave me a dollar, and I go and I buy three dozen of eggs from Florence, and she gives me 25 cents back. Whose 25 cents is that? Is it mine? It's mom's, yeah. That's mom's 25 cents. So I was being a steward of that dollar bill. It was mom's dollar bill. 75 cents went to Florence. The other 25 cents went back to mom. That's what it means to to be a steward. Let's read here in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 19 and 20. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Uh, complete ownership. We are stewards of everything. Everything. If we go back just a couple of chapters to 1 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul says this in verse 2, Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. So when we think of a steward, the crucial quality or characteristic or whatever, however you want to say it, of a steward is that they are faithful. If I would have taken that 25 cents and stopped and bought, what could have I bought? Probably five ice cream cones with that 25 cents, believe it or not. Uh, you know, that, that wasn't my 25 cents to spend on ice cream. That was mama's 25 cents. So I would have been an unfaithful steward. In Scripture, there's many examples of stewards, and we'll look at, at a few uh, this sermon's too long. I'll warn you up front, and I'll try to, uh, I'll try to use my time wisely. Uh, Genesis 15 is a, is a good example of a steward. And these were different times than we live in today, but, but we understand to some degree what was going on here. Uh, Abraham had a serious situation. Uh, Norman knows about this, and I know about this. Uh, When it's time to find lifetime companions for your children, this is a big deal, and it's serious. And uh, back then, they, they had a little different process than we have today, but it's no less serious today, trust me. It's a big deal. And uh, Abraham had a servant, Eliezer, that he entrusted with this. And we'll skip, skip through this familiar story and just read some of the verses. 
Uh, Let's start at verse 1 of Genesis 15. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram. I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And Abraham said, Lord, God, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless? And the steward of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abraham said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed, and lo, one born in my house is mine heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall this shall not be thine heir, but he shall come forth out of thine own bowels and shall be thine heir. Here was a man that was born in Abraham's house, born a servant there and grew up and became his most trusted servant. He was steward of of Abraham's vast possessions and, and Abraham trusted him and he was willing to to give him all his inheritance and to be the, the line of these many, many uh, descendants that God had promised to Abraham. The stars of the heaven, the sands of the sea, and, and Eliezer was, uh, Abram was comfortable giving this to him. But God said, no, it's, it's not going to be that way. We go back a few chapters uh, to Genesis 24, and in the meantime, Isaac was born, and now it's time to find a wife for Isaac. And who does Abraham call on but Eliezer, this trusted servant? And he gives him this responsibility. Uh, it is clear that Eliezer was a godly man. That's, that through living with uh, Abraham, he had trusted in the same God that Abraham did. And we can see how he prays, prays to, uh, to God to guide him in this important role of finding a wife for Isaac. Uh, let's begin reading at verse... Uh, let's start at verse 12. Abraham, at the beginning of the chapter there, gives Eliezer this responsibility. And now Eliezer is at the well, and he wants God's will to be accomplished here. And he says this, O Lord God, verse 12, of my master Abraham, I pray thee, send me good speed this day and show kindness unto my master Abraham. Behold, I stand here by the well of water. And the daughters of the men of the city come out to draw water. Let it come to pass that the damsel to whom I shall say, let down thy pitcher, I pray thee, that I may drink. And she shall say, drink, and I will give thy camels drink also. Let the same be she that thou hast appointed for thy servant Isaac. And thereby shall I know that thou hast showed kindness unto my master. So here he's praying that God would make this clear. And, and then as the story goes on, here comes Rebecca and, and does just like he had asked God for her to do. And he goes on and he uh, goes to their house and he presents uh, what, his, what his mission is. And 
Well, first they, they try to feed him, and he says, no, no, we, we won't eat any food till we, we get this thing settled. This is foremost in his mind. Remember, we're talking about what it means to be a steward. And Eliezer is taking this very seriously. He's not about to sit down and eat supper until he makes this mission clear. And he explains to, to the, the men of the house uh, what his mission is, and, and they agree to, uh, to give Rebecca, and Rebecca agrees to go. And, and then he worships God for Eliezer, this steward worships God for making his, his uh, journey successful. We go back a number of chapters in Genesis to Genesis 39. We have another example of a steward. We know the story of Joseph, how his brothers didn't like him, and they sold him into Egypt, and he ends up in Egypt. And we'll start reading at verse 1 of Genesis 39. And Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, the officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down thither. And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was, pros- he was a prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. And Joseph found grace in his sight, and he served him, and he made him overseer over his house and all that he had put into his hand. And it came to pass from the time that he had made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian, the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. And he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he knew not aught that he had save the bread which he did eat. And Joseph was a goodly person and well-favored. A beautiful description of what it means to be a steward. Joseph was a steward. He was totally in control of everything for Potiphar. Potiphar trusted him, and, and he was... He was faithful. Jesus is is an example of one who took uh, responsibility serious as a steward. Uh, Luke 2.49, Jesus says this. Uh, This was the story where he was a 12-year-old boy and he was traveling with his his parents home from Jerusalem and, and he got They thought he got lost in the crowd, and you remember how they went searching for him, and they found him in the temple talking to the religious leaders. And when they were asking, why why did you do this to us? And he responds, how is it that ye sought me? Wist ye not that I must be about my father's business? Jesus realized that he was here on earth with a job to do, and it wasn't, his, it wasn't his own personal agenda, it was the Father's agenda, and he was about uh, doing that. John 4, 34, Jesus saith unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me, and to finish his work. John six thirty eight. For I came down from heaven, not to do mine own will, 
but the will of him that sent me. That's what it means to be the steward, to be a steward, to do the will of another, to carry out the responsibilities given for the good of another. From the beginning of creation, we as humans were called to be stewards. In uh, Genesis 1, let's read a few verses there. Genesis 1, verse uh, 26. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. And so God created man in his own image, and in the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given every herb bearing seed that is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree in which is the fruit of the tree yielding seed to you, and it shall be for me, and to every beast of the field, and to every fowl of the air, and to everything that creepeth upon the earth, wherein there is life, I have given every green herb for meat, and it was so. And God saw that everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good, and the evening and the morning were the sixth day. God clearly gave man the responsibility to be steward of his creation. So what all are we stewards of? We've mentioned a few things here already. Scripture tells us more things that we are stewards of. Let's turn our Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 4. First Peter 4, verse 10. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. We are stewards of the manifold grace of God. What is that? I'm not sure I fully know what Peter's talking about here. Uh, he's talking about grace in its various forms. Uh, the word manifold uh, in classic Greek is uh, used to describe the skin of a leopard, flowers, pictures, the veins in, in marble, and all their varied shapes and forms. Uh, an embroidered robe. Uh, a coat of many colors like Joseph wore. That's what manifold means. So we are stewards of the manifold grace of God. What is that? What does that mean? What are we stewards of? I think Romans 12 maybe gives us at least a hint of what it could be that, that Peter's talking about. Let's turn to Romans 12, verse 6. Somebody tell me what Romans 12 is about. 
Do you know? It's good, it's good to know what uh, scriptures are about before we look at them. It's a good exercise when the preacher says, let's turn to John chapter 3. What's John chapter 3 about? Somebody tell me. Nicodemus. Yeah, it's good to know. And, it, and a good little, a good little uh, quiz is when the preacher mentions a scripture, try to think what it's about. And then, of course, as soon as you turn there, you can correct yourself whether you're right or wrong. Uh, Romans 12, what is it about? Yeah, life of service and uh, spiritual gifts and so forth. Romans 12, verse 6. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. And verse 7 and 8, go on and mention other gifts. But having gifts differing according to the grace given to us, I think that gives us a hint, maybe, what the manifold grace of God is, the enabling power for the many spiritual gifts in, in the body of Christ. And we are stewards of this grace, this manifold grace. I think it's something that every body of believers needs to grow in. It's to our benefit to realize that the varying gifts are for the good of the body. We need to embrace that variety. We need to thank God for it. We need to be stewards of it, the manifold grace of God. The differing gifts should not be, should not cause tension. It should help us to, to understand the value of our brother and to, to work together each doing our gift. The manifold grace of God at work in the, in the body of Christ. First, and, and there's, I'm not saying I've fully explained that scripture. I'm, I'm just saying that's a possibility of what, what Peter was saying there. There's probably much more to it than that. First uh, Corinthians 4. We're talking about what are we stewards of? 1 Corinthians 4, verse 1. Let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. And then verse 2 is the verse we read earlier. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. So we are to faithfully be stewards of the mysteries of God. Again, what is he talking about? I don't know. I'm not sure. There are some mysteries, at least they're mysteries to me. And let's just look at a few. Uh, Luke 18, 22, Jesus says this. Now when Jesus heard these things, he said unto them, Yet lackest thou one thing, sell all that thou hast, distribute unto the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. That's a bit of a mystery to me. Giving money to the poor puts treasure in heaven. I believe it. Jesus said it, but there's some mystery there. I remember years ago, I was uh, dean at SMBI, and 
we were gathering the, the, the students in the front hall, and we would oftentimes sing a song, have a prayer, and, and file in to, to eat supper. About that time, there was a knock on the front door, and I was close by there, and, and uh, so I went and answered the knock, and there was a man there. He said uh, he has his family out in the car, he's out of gas, and he needs money. And I was a poor SMBI student and uh, probably didn't have much money in my pocket and wasn't sure what to do. And that I knew the administrator was right inside the door. And so I thought, you know, it might be wise to let him handle this. And so I went in and got him and he went out. He came to me later that evening and he said, Rich, he said, I laid up some treasure in heaven tonight. And uh, it kind of startled me just a little bit. Uh, and I'm not saying he did or didn't. It just, and you know, as I ponder that, uh, that's what this scripture saying. Now we could, we could go down all kinds of bunny trails. Was the man really needy? Was he, did he go to the first bar and get a drink? You know, we, we don't know all those things. But uh, distributing to the poor lays treasure in heaven. That's a mystery but I believe it. Forgiveness. Mark eleven twenty five, And when ye stand praying, forgive. If ye have ought against any, that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. But if ye do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive your trespasses. Jesus is clearly teaching us that as we forgive others, we can experience forgiveness from God. And if we refuse to forgive one another, then forgiveness from God is no longer available. That's a mystery, how those two work together, but they do. Scripture's clear. 1 John 1, 9, a familiar verse for all of us. If we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's a mystery, how confessing can bring total cleansing. A mystery. John twelve twenty four. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. The dying. Yeah, it's talking about grain here, but that's just the example. It's talking about you and I. There's a dying in order for life to happen. That's a mystery. And we are stewards of it. John twelve twenty five says this, He that loveth his life shall lose it. He that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto eternal life. The whole dying of self in order to have fulfillment in life is a mystery. And we are stewards of it. Romans 8, 1 to 4, and I must hurry on, is talking about the spirit, life in the spirit, and, and the life of the flesh, and and I would use a, an example of, of gravity. We all know how gravity works, at least to some degree. We know how it affects us. But we also know 
that we can get in an airplane and we can defy the laws of gravity and that the laws of aerodynamics supersede the laws of gravity. And I think that's an example of what he's saying here. The power of the Spirit can supersede the pull of the flesh on, on our lives. It's a mystery, but we, it's a mystery that we are stewards of. Uh, we talked about John 3 in the story of Nicodemus. Jesus was telling Nicodemus, you must be born again. He said, enter into my mother's womb the second time. Jesus says, no, but born of the Spirit, born again, a new creature in Christ, a mystery, and we are stewards of it. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Paul describes it this way. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things come new. That's a mystery. And we are stewards of it. Greatness. Jesus told his disciples again and again, if the way to be great is to be servant, to serve others, to submit to the body of Christ, to, to, to surrender my will for the will of others. It's the way to greatness. It's a mystery. Our world doesn't work that way. The way to greatness is to push others out of the way and climb to the top. But in God's kingdom, it doesn't work that way. It's you serve others, you submit to others, you surrender to others. And that's how you become great. It's a mystery. And we are stewards of that mystery. Jesus says the truth will make you free. Continue in my word. Know the truth. The truth will make you free. There's freedom in the truth. A mystery. Let's be faithful stewards of it. We could talk about time. We are stewards of time. The psalmist tells us to number our days. Uh, Peter tells us, you know, this, this world and everything in it's going to burn up. Order your lives according to that. You know, all the possessions we have are going to burn up. We are stewards of our possessions. Our children, and that could be a, a sermon all in itself. We are stewards of the children. Our children are the most valuable possession that God has given us. And, and the, the impact we have on this world is probably going to be greater than any other impact, for good or for bad as our children go forth and go places where we were never able to go and do things we were never able to do. It reminds me of an old Indian sitting in front of his teepee making an arrow. And he, he spends lots of time and attention to getting that arrow just right so when the time comes to use it, it goes straight, it goes far. That's how we do with our children. We want them to go far, we want them to go straight. And it takes lots of time and attention. And someday the time will come when we let them go. And we have worked ourselves out of a job and now they are making the choices for themselves. We want to prepare them for that. We are stewards of that responsibility of a never dying soul given into our arms to nurture and to train. The last area that I want to talk about 
that we are, steward, we are stewards of life's experiences. Moses is, is a very good example of this. Hebrews 3.5 says, And Moses verily was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken of. These are familiar scriptures. I'll just refer to them. Scripture tells us in, in Hebrews 11 that Moses chose to, to suffer with the people of God than, rather than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. He made a choice. He did not know what all was entailed when he signed up for that. In Numbers 12, we have the story of Aaron and Miriam rising up against and questioning Moses' leadership. And God dealt severely with them and told them, you know, I speak face to face with Moses. Moses and I have a, have a good relationship and we communicate and he carries out my will and I have given him an authority and don't you dare question his authority. Later, Moses was given clear word from God. You speak to the rock. And Moses struck the rock. And the same God that dealt severely with Aaron and Miriam now dealt severely with Moses because he disobeyed. But Moses comes to the end of life. And let's turn to Deuteronomy chapter 30. And here you see someone being a steward of life's experiences. He had gone through a number of things in life, and now he is being a faithful steward of these experiences. Deuteronomy 30, verse 10. He's, he's gathering the children of Israel together, and he knows that he's no longer going to be their leader. He's passing on. But he wants to be a faithful steward of what he experienced. And he says this, If thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to keep his commandments and his statutes, which are written in this book of the law, and if thou turn unto the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul, for this commandment which I command thee this day, it is not hidden from thee, neither is it far off. It is not in heaven that thou shouldst say, Who shall go up for us to heaven and bring it unto us, that we may hear it and do it? Neither is it beyond the sea that thou shouldst say, Who shall go over the sea for us and bring it unto us, that we may hear it and do it? But the word is very nigh unto thee in thy mouth and in thine heart, that thou mayest do it. See, I have set before thee this day life and good and death and evil, in that I command thee this day to love the Lord thy God, to walk in his ways, to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments, that thou mayest live and multiply. And the Lord thy God shall bless thee in the land whither thou goest to possess it. 
But if thine heart turn away, so that thou wilt not hear, but shall be drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I denounce unto you this day that ye shall utterly perish, and that ye shall not prolong your days upon the land whither thou passest over Jordan to go to possess it. I call heaven and earth to record this day against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore choose life, that both thou and thy seed may live, that thou mayest love the Lord thy God, that thou mayest obey his voice, that thou mayest cleave unto him, for he is thy life and the length of thy days, that thou mayest dwell in the land which the Lord sware unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give them. Moses, I think, is saying here, I know what it's like to have God on my side telling Aaron and Miriam, Moses is my servant. He's your authority. Respect him. He also knows what it's like to disobey God and to be barred from the promised land. And here he is, ready to see his people that he's led for years, that he poured his heart and life out. They're going, but he's not because he disobeyed. He's telling them, don't make the mistake I made. Don't do it. He's being a faithful steward of the experiences that he's had in life. All of us have had experiences in life that, that we are called to be stewards of. In uh, 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul says this, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble, by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. That's what I'm talking about. God brings experiences into our life, and he helps us through them, and then we are stewards of that, and we help others. Uh, I see this happening here. Uh, Mary Anderson has had health issues, and when she heard Florence was having health issues, she comforts Florence with the comfort that she received from God. I saw it when Irvin passed away. You know, Nevin, Nevin's mother passed away not that many years ago. And as we went to some of the family members, we were at Wayne and Christina's house, and, and Rosie was there, and uh, we had to tell them that their dad is no longer living. And Nevin came, and he gathered the family around, and, and he was comforting them. He knew, he knew what they were going through. He had been there. That's the body of Christ at work. 
There's, there's much more we could talk about Paul's experiences, his, his deception. Paul was a deceived man. But he went from the, from the time his eyes were opened. He committed his life, the rest of his life, every day he had. He was opening the eyes of the blind. He was helping people that were deceived to find the truth. You know, I have a heart for young people that have struggles in choosing lifetime companions. That was a big struggle in my life. The girls I liked didn't like me, it seemed like. Uh, And I had many false starts. And you don't know about those things. All you know is my success story. Uh, But there were failures. And throughout life, when I see, and some of you sitting here, when I saw you going through a, a, a romance that didn't work, the, the dating process worked. You, you or her discovered this is not for life, but uh, the plan didn't work out according to your plans. And, and so I tried to comfort you and, and encourage you because I know how that felt. Uh, we don't choose what experiences in life we are stewards of. I would not chose to be a steward of failed romances. How exciting. Uh, but we, we don't choose what we are stewards of. But we are stewards of the experiences God has brought into our lives. Let's be faithful. In conclusion, just a few reminders. We have been given the manifold grace of God. We've been given spiritual gifts, possessions, children, life, opportunities, experiences. How many of us are stewards this morning? I hope we can all raise our hands. Yes, we're stewards. The only question is, are we faithful or are we not? Let's, let's be faithful stewards. Thank you.